0: Again, the URL is unchangedcrypto.substack.com.
1: And now building out like infrastructure surrounding this, of course, is, is important, but we need to be realistic in terms of like onboarding users. It's not like most people need to be able to 100x the dog with hat coin. You know what I mean. This is like this isn't what people need. Not a dividend.
0: It's a tale of two puns.
2: Now your losses are on someone else's balance sheet.
0: Generally speaking, airdrops are kind of pointless anyways. Um, um, I named mean, trading know. firms
2: who were very involved. I
3: like that. is the ultimate pun. DeFi protocols are the antidote to this problem.
2: Hello everybody. Welcome to the Chopping Block. Every couple weeks, the four of us get together and give the industry insider's perspective on the crypto topics of the day. So quick intros. First, we've got Tom, the DeFi Maven and Master of Memes.
4: Hello, everyone.
2: Next, we've got Tarun, the Giga Brain and Grand Poobah at Gauntlet. Yo. And today, we've got special guest, Gwart, the caustic comedian of crypto Twitter. Welcome, Gwart.
4: Caustic comedian. Wow. Caustic
2: comedian. Yeah. (laughs) Did you you look at that one on your own? And I was, it was AI yeah, assisted. I have to, I have okay. to admit. Uh, I, I just woke up, so I had to pull something together. Uh, and I have received the head hype man at Dragonfly. So we are early stage investors in crypto, but I want to caveat that nothing we say here is investment advice, legal advice, or even life advice. Please see choppingblock.xyz for more disclosures. So uh, Gort, welcome to the show for though we've, we've mentioned you on the show before, actually, I believe we have technically summoned you to the show rather than invited you. Uh, so for those of you who don't know, Gort is, I-, I would describe Gort as kind of the, um, he's the gadfly and maybe a little bit of the Mark Twain of crypto Twitter, where he just talks the most amazing shit about everything web three and everything that more or less crypto influencers and intelligentsia and VCs, talk about and think is important and valuable he just lampoons all of it um so gort uh you you you've asked us to uh you know anonymize you as best we can you're 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 an anon on crypto twitter um welcome to the show how how do you want people to perceive you what is your goal in shit posting the way that you
1: do <laughs> nonstop on crypto twitter i mean i think your descriptor is very fair um yeah I've been in the space for the better part of five years not very seriously but uh more seriously within the past couple of years and i've never never really had a job in the space i mean a few small i don't know freelance gigs um but i've been like my point with saying this is that I've been primarily uh an observer and so it's sort of allowed me to be a heckler uh from the sidelines and um, so yeah, I think your description's fair. I don't think I would. Uh, I don't think I would object to anything that you said. I think calling me Mark Twain is probably a little bit audacious. <laughs> I wouldn't necessarily. I don't know that I would describe myself as Mark Twain, but I'll take it.
2: <laughs> I think you're pretty up there when it comes to shit talking. So, so wait, 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 wait. We, we have
4: to. We have to find out one important thing. You. A lot of your tweets have been about. Well, especially during Ethereum alignment, the era, the 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 peak Ethereum alignment era, you 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 inspired a set of uh copycats might be the wrong <laughs> word you inspired an army of 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 heckling anons so how do you feel about how do you feel about ethereum alignment you know a month later you know a few months later
1: yeah i mean i think it's i don't know if it's run its course or not i mean it was i i definitely think i think that the people who uh tagged along it was I mean it was it was quite fun there for a while and I made a little list on Twitter so we could make sure to track all of the uh all of the anti-party takes. Um I think Ethereum alignment. Okay, so I don't know exactly what the origin of this was. Actually somebody asked me this yeah, the maybe other day. maybe define it. Yeah, so I words. don't know. This is the thing is I don't actually know myself. I will tell you what spurred this for me and the the beginning of this for me was I saw... Okay, so this was right around the AI alignment. Like the throes of AI alignment, right? And we got we got Eliezer up there talking about how if we don't get this right, it is over for society, right? And then we get Justin Drake on Bankless right around the same time. And he's talking about how if we don't get restaking right, it's the end of society. And I just... I could not take this seriously. Like To me, it was... <laughs> It was very much like um, almost piggybacking along this same, I think, yeah, movement. Like it was almost like some of the Ethereum people were like, oh man, that's a powerful movement right there. Like we should really try to take advantage of this one. And so it, it sort of became extended to, okay, so like to what degree are L2s, to what degree are, you know, is Eigenlayer or, or Lido or so on and so forth, are these aligned with the Ethereum vision? And of course, nobody could actually articulate what exactly it meant. Which may which may even better to troll about, you know, because I don't think that anybody really knew. So that was the impetus. I don't know how, I mean, I think that it's at the point now where I'm like, ooh, I kind of feel bad about, you know, e- extending this much further. And, and also, we're in a bull market now, so we're going to start talking about positive things. But that was generally how I viewed it, at least in the beginning. And I think there was maybe some positive discussions that came of this. I mean, to the extent that you find anything on Twitter positive uh i think it was i don't know i think i think uh, we learned we learned something about the crypto community
4: <laughs> well to the extent things are positive i feel like uh you know today's uh sort of uh sec thing gives you some some evidence of both positive and negative of, of twitter i don't, know, I don't
2: <laughs> yeah well let's let's jump into news because this is maybe one of the most crypto days i've seen in a while. So um, basically, to top off the day, there was a tweet this morning from the SEC's official Twitter account stating definitively that the BTC ETFs are approved. And then uh, a few minutes later, Gary Gensler, from his official Twitter account, announced that the tweet that came out of the SEC's Twitter account was false, false and that the SEC's Twitter account had been hacked, uh, and uh, there, no BTC uh, ETF has been approved. And then about 20 minutes later, the the, the tweet was taken down. Um, and so this caused Bitcoin to spike all the way up to 48K uh, until it settled back down to about 46 uh, as, of, as of press time when we're recording this. Um, so this is the most crypto thing ever. Uh, it's absolutely hilarious that the SEC, which is in charge of cybersecurity for all these things, got its Twitter account hacked and... Uh, you know, compromise in in a way that it immediately led to market manipulation. That also said uh, I've I've read a lot of speculation and here I'm going to go ahead and just wildly speculate that this does not feel to me like the SEC's Twitter account was hacked. This feels to me like Agreed. somebody fucked up the scheduling feature on Twitter because I've I've played around with that thing. It's actually like not very good. It's not very intuitive. Um because also if the SEC's Twitter account was hacked, why is why would it not be like hey send me eth or the sec is doing an airdrop or like there's a dogecoin etf like wouldn't it be something like instead of oh bitcoin went up two percent because the etf got approved that everyone was expecting today uh this does not feel like what you would do if you hacked the sec
0: it's i i agree um because i mean you even made like custom uh you know graphics for this thing that are in the cell at, at the sec so i'm like they clearly went the distance to make this happen um I remember when like Musk and I think like Bill Gates and a few other famous people in like 2020 or 2021 got their accounts hacked and it was like a Bitcoin donation scam, kind of classic thing. And it was cheesy. It was um, really I remember Matt bad. Donation? Really cheesy. Donation? It was like, you know, was send me Bitcoin and we'll give Bitcoin back. I think they only made like 800K and they got kind of so stupid. Um, but Matt Levine had a good uh, uh, take on this, which is like, it's actually a very bad way to monetize uh, your takeover of somebody's account. Actually, like what they probably should have done is, Post something that, you know, would have, I don't know, actually manipulated the the Bitcoin market, something really bad or something really good. And then, you know, sort of blend their trade into this, you know, broader market movement. And then it's like, oh, you know, you can profit from manipulating the market, but it's not sort of directly tied to you. And I feel like that is probably what you would have done if you had taken over the SEC account and said this just looks like a very legitimate tweet from the SEC. And I think that's why it fooled so many people and, and why the market moved the way it did. It fooled me. I mean, it fooled almost everyone. I knew because everybody was waiting for
3: official news on the Bitcoin ETF. So when everybody saw this tweet, everybody was, you know, messaging like, "Oh, it happened. Hooray. Like there's Bitcoin ETFs. You know, it's finally occurred and, you know, there's been a lot of waiting. The probability of approvals in the market has been about 90% for this week. And so, this just seemed like an extremely ordinary and expected Tweet. So I was fooled. I think most of us were.
2: I, I was disappointed that if the, if you're going to hack the SEC, can't you just say like, oh, all the cases are dropped. You know what? I changed my mind. Crypto is not a security. <laughs> like, at least do something fun rather than just oh, Bitcoin ETFs approved. You know,
4: congratulations. A brick right Well, actually, didn't delete. they originally do dollar sign BTC? Then they deleted their tweet. <laughs> like that's like
3: that was yes, did the they? <laughs> was yeah. tweeted shortly after the fake ETF and then deleted. So some people. With really good eyes, could have been more clued in that this was fake faster.
2: So they did, just tweeted raw dollar sign BTC out of the yeah,
4: SEC account with the period at the end, so it didn't like. Okay, wow. Well, okay, you they were, it, it probably it really either. was hacked then. <laughs> you couldn't click. It, it wasn't correctly. immediately after. This was oh, like minutes up. later.
3: Like it's possible that they were like, yeah, yeah, there's a lot of explanations. They were high on their own supply okay. of
4: like writing the initial tweet, and they're like, how do I make a follow up? Let I, me make it. Oh.
3: <laughs> I think the conspiracy theorist in Hasib would say that if they did publish the tweet inadvertently, they made that BTC tweet to appear as though they were hacked.
4: All right, Gork, what's your... That's too many levels. Dude. Yeah, Gork, that's a your lot of levels. Deep. Deep. What's I your, like what's that your last deep. one.
1: I like that last one a lot. Well, I mean, the thing is, I definitely don't think they would have... They're not going to... I don't think anybody's going to like click on something that says pixelate your board ape or something from the sec. So to be honest, in terms of actual being able to move markets, like truly move markets, but the problem is, is I guess the only counterpoint I'd make this is if you didn't have good intuition on whether or not it'd be a buy the news or sell the news event, you could have positioned yourself wrong, uh, hacking it, which would have been a disaster unto itself. So I don't know, honestly, I'm as confused as the rest of everybody.
2: I mean, in a way, we maybe a little bit got the answer to that question, because in the 20 minutes that the market thought that the Bitcoin ETF had been approved, Bitcoin went up. Now, it didn't go up much. It went up, you know, 3%. It was mostly
3: down, like, afterwards. When I thought it was real, my reaction was like, huh, BTC down a little bit on the news, like, totally priced in.
2: Was it? When did you you see it after the announcement? Because I read that it went up to 48
3: Five minutes later, it was like down. Uh,
2: yeah, it spiked
0: and then it went it went well, back down. So, yeah, was Everybody
2: that maybe was like after people you know? saw the weird tweet, the weird follow up tweet?
3: I don't know the timestamp of the weird BTC oh. follow up tweet. I'm sure someone hmm. should like dig out the exact forensics on this.
2: Okay, wow, because this is this is a very interesting like controlled experiment of maybe the SEC just wanted to test whether or not this would be bullish for Bitcoin.
4: Um, <laughs> Yeah. Well, it's well, in a well, way. Actually, I guess it's my good news. My that it didn't move is the like, didn't like it that much. After this happened, does this change any of the approval? Can they be like, oh, look, like it's it's more manipulable than you know? Because that's always been their claim, right? Is that the the Bitcoin? Market? They manipulated it due to bad <laughs> <times laughs> things. <They're
2: practices. laughs> it's proof that the SEC can manipulate the price of yeah. Bitcoin through, which shows through how outright, manipulable Bitcoin is.
3: Yeah, through outright negligence, they allowed their account to manipulate the market.
2: Wow, you know that that is a pretty knockdown argument in court. Actually, that to show <laughs> just a single actor can manipulate the price of Bitcoin.
4: But by the way, by
2: yeah, the but Gensler goes to jail for manipulating the market, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, I suppose that is possible. I suppose that is possible. But Bitcoin's not a security. Imagine, so, I mean, Gary what?
4: Gensler and Avi are still fraud. They're still jail.
2: fraud in commodities. They're still fraud. But the CFTC would have to sue Gary Gensler. Th- that yeah. that's the way it would have to work well that, that, that's yeah. that's
3: now a possibility i mean frankly
2: yeah unbelievable
3: well actually the yeah, other really thing that's been a,
4: the other thing that's been amazing is the fact that the sec you know this particular sec under gensler has been all about tweeting nonsensical stock images um and like crazy stuff and it's turned out and you know compared to prior you know compared to the cftc for instance right they don't tweet all this, make all these dog shit bad TikTok videos like Gensler does. Um, but those are all a liability for them right now because like all of their tweets about how they're going to be in charge of cybersecurity stuff are like biting them in the ass, right? Like their senators retweeting it and being like, are you kidding me?
3: There's like senators retweeting Gary's tweet being like, remember to use wrong passwords and use a multi-factor authentication <laughs> at all times on your Twitter account. Like it's embarrassing.
2: Yeah, well... Um so connected to so moving on from the snafu with the SEC um we we got some indication of what the fees are going to look like for the different ETF issuers and it looks like they're going to be pr- quite fee competitive uh, it looks like BlackRock is going to be at uh i think 30 bips uh ARK dropped their fee to 25 bips bitwise at 24 bips which dropped down to 20 bips um other people are you know somewhere in, in that vicinity slightly higher uh, but the BlackRock ETF is super low fees compared to what everyone else was expecting them to land. Now, the one outlier to this is Grayscale. So Grayscale, when they convert their uh, uh, B- GBTC into a Bitcoin ETF, the fees will go from where they currently are at 2% a year to 1.5% a year. So 150 basis points, uh, which is hilarious. <laughs> because basically, this this the whole thing is betting that people will not want to move their Bitcoin or that they're locked in due to their cost basis and and taxes, or they just are not going to notice and assume that the fees are going to go down. Um, so it, it really does seem like they're going to squeeze the last bit of fees out of this thing that they can. Um, I'm curious, what do you guys think is going to happen to GBTC when they have like, you know, five times the fees of the iShares ETF?
3: Well, I think you raised a really good point, which is that a lot of the holders due to prior tax, Basis might not sell it even when it's liquid. They might be relieved that the discount converges to zero and that there's liquidity when they want to exit. But if you're sitting on capital gains from years ago, like Bitcoin being like a couple thousand to now in GBTC, you might decide that like paying, you know, $6,000 or something like that per Bitcoin in gains is worse than paying 1.5% which is a lot less money per year to avoid that. And so I can see a lot of people just sticking with it. Um you know, I think there's absolutely going to be a lot of compression on day 1 and probably not that much on day 3 simply because if you want out, you've been waiting for a really 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 long time. There's a lot of people that are sitting on GBTC That haven't sold it due to slippage, that haven't sold it due to the discount, that when they finally get that window, we're gonna leave. And I think if you're gonna go, it's day one. I think from there, it probably is a zombie product where the only people left are the ones who are committed to it. And I think it sticks around at probably like, you know, $5 billion of Bitcoin for a really, 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 really long time, which coincidentally will make it probably the number one ETF at first, if, right. if not for like a year, two years. It'll be really interesting to see like how long it can hang on to the number one decision.
2: Well, so last week, uh, Laura actually uh, sort of repeated some speculation that if the GBTC um, trust converts into an ETF, that that would actually end up uh, being a taxable event for the holders of GBTC. So it turns out that's not true. So to to your point, Robert, it, it is correct that you would retain your tax basis going from GBTC to the ETF, which is likely to keep a lot of people in a great scale, which was their calculus in deciding, hey, because you know if if they're competing actually just for marginal uh, flow, marginal buyers of the ETF, there's no way that they would be able to compete with iShares without dropping their fees significantly to the point where they, they just had to make calculation that like, hey, people are going to be locked in. Because of their cap gains very, very early on. So I I have to imagine that you're right. Basically, within a month or two, we're gonna see that's the terminal size of GBTC and you know, no more new money is ever gonna come in.
0: But like why drop it, why drop it at all then? Right? Like I'm assuming, you know, it's they, like because the lawsuit sort of a- the
2: lawsuit was on this basis, right? They said specifically in the lawsuit this is bad for our holders, not just because of the um uh uh no, they they were sued, right, by their uh by gbtc holders yeah and the so the SEC. Of... yeah yeah so it's kind of like a so human centipede of
4: lawsuits and there one of bases is yeah, the bases that the fees go. are too I, high I, I see that i, I see the, the human centipede <laughs> meme has made it finally
2: <laughs> it's, it's very inspiring to to come from there we turn um go. yes so that yeah so i believe that they they had to drop the fees because they made that argument to the sec that the fees are high because we have to have this you know, stupid trust structure and all this other stuff.
3: Well, two points on those fees. One is, you know, GPTC is going to be a massively more profitable product for DCG than the iShare Bitcoin will be for BlackRock, right? Like fees being six times higher, there's also all of the custody fees and other things that when there's coming out of a low basis point product makes the margins a lot worse than when it's coming out of a high base point product. So on like a net profitability basis, I think the Grayscale product's probably going to be for the sponsor like seven or eight times as lucrative. And so when you think about like how much money is Grayscale going to be making if $5 billion sticks around in the product, it's going to be equivalent almost on a break even basis or profitability basis to BlackRock at like 40 billion. And it's going to be, you know, it's, it's going to be a feather in TCG's cap for some time. Um, but the thing that's not come up in this discussion yet that I actually think is really relevant is the fact that most of the ETFs are waiving fees entirely to zero for their launch um, until they gather, you know, in most cases, a billion dollars of AUM or in some cases, $2 billion of AUM. and So in a lot of ways, the fees are even more of a disparity because they're going to be zero for most of these products when they actually launch. Right,
2: but that's only for you know. If it's the ISH, the iShares ETF, is not doing this, or are they?
3: They are, I believe. I could okay. be mistaken about that, but I believe they are. Okay,
2: yeah, I would assume like for the big ETFs, if you deposit money there, you know, they're going to hit a billion pretty quick, and so it's like okay, you get two weeks of discounted fees, you know, essentially, which is like nothing. Um, but uh, yeah, for the for some of the smaller ETFs, if they if they do have a big bogey that they have to hit before they start charging fees, then um, that could be pretty good for depositors who are very fee sensitive, but to your point, you know, 30 basis points, 40 basis points, 35, like anything is fine relative to one and a half percent a year, plus custody fees and all that other stuff. Yeah.
3: Especially zero though.
2: Zero is pretty good. Zero is pretty good. Yeah. Or you could just hold spot, you know, that's the other, (laughs) if you really don't want to pay fees. Uh, Yeah.
3: I'm going to sound like a TradFi sellout here, but like in, for many people, I think holding an ETF is going to be just... Better, even with fees, just from the security and the custody side of it alone, like holding spot is not free. There's risks associated with holding spot, even on an exchange you trust with two-factor authentication. There's always that self-custody element. It's really hard to take a ETF ownership away from you in a theft.
2: Spoken like the true TradFi guy
4: yeah thank you thank you robert for sobering I, I, us all I, up sorry i i, I honestly zoned out so for the last four minutes <laughs> because like I, the moment you were talking about basis point fees on etfs i'm just like please kill me already
3: all right well this is a crypto show so i'll shut up <laughs> yeah, we'll yeah,
4: yeah, yeah yeah let's all get right. back to more interesting parts of, of the
2: of the world it's been i mean it's been a pretty quiet week aside from etf excitement like honestly there hasn't been that much happening uh there, there was uh, one thing that I, I thought was interesting, actually, maybe this, maybe this might wake up Gord a little bit as well. Uh, there, was, there was news, uh, we, didn't, we didn't have it on the docket, but I was reading through it yesterday. There was news that in Taiwan, so Taiwan right now is going through a presidential election, and uh, it's illegal in Taiwan to bet on presidential elections. And of course, Polymarket, which is right now the leading prediction market online, had a market for Taiwanese election. Uh, where you could bet on the different presidential candidates, and numerous people were actually imprisoned in type tai- in Taiwan uh, because it was discovered that they had bet in the um, something like ten thousand dollars a piece into the, um, the 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 prediction market. So I thought that was pretty surprising. Also, I didn't know how people had such bad OPSEC that that Taiwanese government was able to figure out that they were betting on uh, the presidential election. But it kind of leaves a really bad taste in, in one's mouth. Um, and the, it's funny enough, the news story that covered this uh, for Taiwan, they also went and, and recounted what the different uh, odds were for the different presidential candidates, which is kind of like getting the value out of a prediction market without actually, you know, like, it, it felt like kind of like, okay, if you if you think presidential prediction markets are bad, don't even report on the prices, right? Because isn't that the point of a prediction market is to get the information of what happened? I don't know. Any, any reactions? Gort, any thoughts on prediction
1: markets yeah i mean i don't know how liquid are crypto betting markets that are markets i don't know that somebody in taiwan perhaps could bet on that they wouldn't necessarily be able to access through what we may have in the united states with in some states or like i don't know are these like because a lot of times the reason i ask this i guess is a lot of times, I'm looking at the poly market. Like, remember the LK99 thing? Um, it seemed like that was one example of, okay, maybe we found something here that is a viable use case, right? Like, because I don't think that this was really something that was being booked on, to my knowledge. I don't know, maybe if you went to Vegas, uh, but I don't think this was like something that was probably going to be booked by like traditional books. Uh, but I also don't know how liquid these markets are because I I recall seeing like very low liquidity, and that makes a huge difference obviously and they're like very easily ma- manipulable when that's the case so I don't know um so I guess that would be I, 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 mean, would, I, I would answer that question with a question
4: I love the uh I love the the like minority report arc of the future where like news news agencies don't really report news anymore they just ask chat GPT to summarize the prediction markets for them uh and then you know, some enterprising presidential candidate manipulates his own market so that the news always shows him win- him or her winning in the polls, uh, and then they actually win finally. So that that could be in the future. It seems like good sci-fi.
3: That is good sci-fi. Tarun, you <laughs> no. hire a screenwriter. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: There's only uh, 1.4 mil in open interest on the Taiwanese presidential election, so uh that's cheaper, that that's to, cheaper
4: uh, than buying an yeah. ad in the Super Bowl for a presidential candidate come on
3: well in Taiwan how much do they spend on presidential elections I mean they spend more well, than this 1. is actually a
2: huge yeah this is a huge presidential <laughs> election because there's uh you know Taiwan has been very uh, the, the dominant party in Taiwan has been anti-China and there's like a push now from the pro-China arm of Taiwanese politics to try to regain some seats and if they end up winning the presidential election. Uh, then you could see Taiwan willingly rejoin China, which would be huge uh, uh, internationally. So there's a lot of concern right now in China, or sorry, in Taiwan about Chinese uh, election interference um, and, you know, them trying to uh, do some funny business. And so it's it's actually it's actually a huge deal. I mean, deal look, if Taiwan. it
4: only costs you $1.4 million to manipulate the prediction market, <laughs> and the Chinese government has seized significantly more than that in BTC... They could the manipulate problem the market is that and there is the not rest- actually over been... BTC to create ETF shares. It's amazing.
2: Yeah, there's never actually been any evidence though that the market responds to the prediction market changing.
4: Like
3: that Unless that is the missing
2: leg we've not seen. Sci-fi.
3: Yeah, but news sci-fi.
4: agencies are are just calling perplexity or chat gpt and being like, "Hey, like who, who, what what are the current polls? And instead of the polls, it just reports to you the prediction
1: market value. Yeah, yeah. Hasn't this hasn't this always been something that Vitalik has really wanted? Like, there's been a number of big figures within crypto that have been very sold on prediction markets being like one of the. Yeah, like which is, um which is Paul markets Stork. for governance. Yeah. yeah, like Paul Stork, the um like one of the drive chain like the the drive chains guy from in in Bitcoin, his like killer use case is a predictions market. Well, and I don't know exactly how it's supposed to be formatted, but uh yeah, like and I think Vitalik has always been like very bullish on on the premise of prediction markets as like this massive unlock. I don't know.
4: I think 202015 uh Vitalik post on futarki yeah. uh is is about doing governance on and on-chain mechanisms via prediction markets. Now, an interesting thing is I I, re- I was talking to Vitalik like a year ago or something uh and I was like how do you feel about Futarchy in 2023 uh because you know, hey, look, there are some liquid prediction markets. They they have their problems, right? They have maybe a centralized oracle or like getting funds onto them is annoying. Uh, and he was like, eh, not as enthusiastic. So, but but I'm, I'm, I find this Taiwanese election stuff the first real life use case of like where a foreign government realizes they can control the news via nuclear prediction market. The fact that Kazib well, is mentioning it means that people, there's enough people watching it.
1: <laughs> yeah. Or Trump, it means it's Trump a slow was news week. That's the other possibility. Trump was an underdog in the polls, like uh, leading up to. Like, I don't know for 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 the entirety of his of his first election campaign, and so I don't. I tend to agree that I don't know to what extent they respond. If anything, it could be like sort of a a counterpoint to that. I don't know.
2: Well, so okay, we should this this futarchy thing is an interesting place to um, explore a little deeper. So very very quickly, um, for those of you who are not aware, futarchy was a term coined by Robin Hanson that basically describes governance via prediction markets. So the idea would be instead of saying that. Uh, OK, we vote on whatever politician everyone likes. Instead, we run prediction markets that says if this person were elected, GDP would go up this much or, you know, this uh, the key metric that we care about would go up by this much. And basically, whatever the prediction markets predict, these sort of conditional prediction markets based on, you know, if if X, then Y, uh, that is how we end up deciding who we elect and who ends up becoming head of secretary of treasury and uh, you know, which, which bills get passed and, and so on and so forth. That, that concept is known as futarchy. Now it has not been implemented anywhere. Apparently Vitalik back in the day was very, very pro futarchy or at least experimenting with futarchy. I think he, he thought it was a very exciting idea. A lot of core Ethereum people felt that way. And according to Tarun, it sounds like that's no longer the case. Uh, how, what do you guys think of this concept of futarchy and why, or why, why not? Would it be viable?
3: Well, I don't know if any countries are going to migrate from a democracy or a parliamentary system into a futarchy, but I could see a um, on-chain project of some variety trying it for control or governance of their own system. Um, you know, the fact that I haven't seen any examples of it, even on-chain, you know, is oh, there
4: have been examples. So, like, like, like Tezos, from- Tezos did it early. They um, did. But it's just like, they just didn't get enough voter participation. They didn't have enough uh, prediction market. Not enough futarchy? There's a very good. (laughs) Not enough enough futarchy by Arthur Brightman from like 2016, 2017, that is like an extension of this. I think the the interesting thing is that we're much closer to it now than we were then because we didn't have as much DeFi. You sort of need DeFi for futarchy to work at all because. You know, the existence of these things assumes there's some market maker that you can trade the, the yes and no shares for. But the old school automated market maker designs are actually really kind of bad for sourcing liquidity. Like, um, you know, it, they, they, they kind of were inefficient in some ways. And so these Uniswap looking things, even though they're not like perfect pricing for prediction markets, are good enough and that's why i think you you've seen like the manifolds and polymarket's of the world is like they kind of needed stablecoins and defi to like make liquidity aggregation easier it wasn't like a theoretical problem with prediction markets But man- manifolds really... play money yeah but i mean people people do are are trying to 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 trade at otc right like and and there are there are tokens uh, like what are, to are they what yeah tracking. i did not know this yeah oh no, so, so like, okay. but I mean, it's basically people are making, like, synthetics of the, the real manifold value. Uh, but mm. my, my point is I feel like basically you needed those two things for the, this to be much more efficient because the liquidity aggregation aspect is hard. Now, the interesting thing is no, like, layer one has, well, <laughs> no surviving layer one has uh, stable coins as part of its consensus. Um, you know, I guess there's the cellos the and taros and stuff, but... You know, Celos becoming a layer two, Terra, of course, blew up. So there's there's really none that have it as a first class citizen. So you, I don't think layer ones will have futarchy, but I I could see higher level protocols having it. I think a more interesting thing would be a uh, you know, despite Quartz amazing tweet on uh, Web three social networks, the SEC should really be diving into Web three social networks because no one will read their posts. Uh, so then they won't have bad things happen. Um, I actually think that's where futarchy would be funny. Like, imagine if, like, people were betting on canceling people. You know, it's like there's a, a prediction market for, like, But then you
3: cancel the them based on the outcome of the poll? No, no,
4: you, you, you bet on, on on whether they're going to get canceled the next year. And if they do, then they get kicked off the site automatically. What does that do? How does that get resolved? Wait, why? Yeah. What does that help? <laughs> also, I, is cancellation a problem? Like, that feels like it kind of happens on its own. Well, I think the idea is like if enough people bet, imagine if it's something where enough people bet correctly on someone getting canceled. Like there's some,
0: you know.
3: Oh, no, here's the way it should work. Hold on, Tarun. If a huge number of people think someone's going to get canceled, then you just, you know, minority report, you know, predictively, you know, pre-crime. You just ban them from the platform. If people I think <laughs>
2: <laughs> this sounds like an actual vector for cyberbullying, though. Like you literally I, I, just
4: I, I do pay a bunch Bill of Ackman, money to get Bill someone wiped Ackman, off the Bill internet. Bill Ackman would really use this. That's like what he we, would. He would get a lot of value out of this. 1, yeah, actually, thousand percent be into this. Mm-hmm.
3: Well, yeah. here's why I don't think Futarchy would work for systems that aren't this niche, fun, cool, whatever. I, it just sounds too hard to me, right? Like even in the, like the original, like use it for like presidential candidates and whichever one's better for gdp is the one that like gets selected i don't think people want to forecast gdp in order to vote like it's hard enough to get people to vote for like blue team versus red team (laughs) like we have like in the u.s last presidential election 60 something percent turnout which means 40 percent of registered voters didn't like make it out well Robert, I think the whole point of futarchy
2: is that those people who are like the marginal oh, voter the who really doesn't have a good, editable, mm-hmm. they don't vote at all. Right. They have no say because they don't know which way it's going to go. And like, if they bet, they bet nominal amounts. It's like the real money that actually has predictive power that ends up determining who's going to win. Got it. Um, so like and so no, if okay. you remember, yes. Yeah. Basically 12 hedge funds, choose the president. Um, yeah. And if you, if you remember actually uh, like the markets do this already because when the presidential election in uh, 2020 was going back and forth between Hillary and Trump, uh, or no, sorry, uh, sorry, 2016. I 2016 um, when it was going back and forth between Hillary and Trump, when the dials turned toward Trump and everyone realized like, oh shit, Trump's going to win, the market rallied under the expectation that, oh, you know, Trump is going to be really good for US GDP. Um, so I think the, like this already happens, right? The hedge funds are already but giving it's a very bunch of
4: It's, it's it, yes, It'd be yes. more fun if it's direct. But I also love the idea of like crypto social networks allowing you to like, you know, play. imagine if like Trump got voted out of Twitter by a prediction market.
2: <laughs> but he kind of did. That's what, like, uh, that's what Elon uh,
4: friend, did. Front yeah, but that required this like central individual, and... not a market, right? That acquired that. Sure, that yeah, it wasn't it was like a market, Jack Dorsey yeah. or whatever, right? Like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I yeah. would rather I would rather like people like Gwart become, you know, these whales on these uh, cancellation markets
1: and then they just start, yeah, Bill Ackmaning. I, yeah, but Ackman-ing I don't. I still. Okay, I still don't get it. What do you mean cancellation? Like, how does an oracle determine being canceled? It's you just. It's just if ratio. If you get, if you get ratio, so bad. <laughs> oh, it's oh, it's oh, Okay, okay. They're, yeah, all right. I think it's
2: just well, like I mean, if this if this vote if this goes above like seventy cents we're kicking them off the platform. And people just start pushing it as high as they can to to get them off. So it's really just tug of war. It's not even a prediction market. It's just a tug of war. So it's probably better described
4: as, you know, pay this much to vote this person off the island. I mean, I, I say this more because if you if you read between the lines of of Gort's tweets, they're implicitly canceling certain people or certain entities, right? Like we said with the Ethereum alignment thing, I think there were certain, uh, certain ones who were put in the doghouse. So, wouldn't it be more interesting if that would there was like some betting aspects to that, not just you know?
1: No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, and I, honestly, I do not understand this. Okay, I mean, I'm down. Well, I'm in. I'm in to create a token for it, but I don't understand <laughs> it.
2: Yeah, yeah, well, it's fine. It's fine. We'll airdrop the token. <laughs> we'll do a point system. We don't. It, need, it doesn't need to make sense. Yeah, yeah, we well, definitely well, have points. No,
4: no, I mean, just like imagine, imagine you had prediction markets for just like kicking people off a social media platform instead of like the dictatorial control. What are
2: you predicting over? You're not predicting anything. You're just saying put more money
4: here if you want this person to get off the platform. Well, you're, or you're, you can have some conditions like getting ratioed, like getting blocked. Like if you get blocked by more than uh, more than fifty percent of your followers. Uh, <laughs>
2: Tarun, the why, why do you result. want to cancel people so badly? Yeah. <laughs> why do you want rich people to be able to cancel people so badly?
4: I, I don't think it's actually rich people. I think it would be people who've had earned the most stake in these networks. Like, I'm the biggest user of the social network in terms of, like, getting engagement and creating content. So I get the most of the... the Each the follower's
3: will vote. Right. So if you have yeah. a million followers, you're basically casting a million cancellation votes.
4: Yes. I, I think and I and I Tarun
3: think, I think secretly wants
2: fun. to be Bill Ackman. He wants to be the Bill Ackman of Crypto Twitter. I, think I don't what, think I, I think think have the
4: gravitas to be Bill Ackman. There's who no would you
3: can cancel there. if you could? Who or what thing? Magic wand here. Magic magic wand of cancellation.
4: Magic prediction um, with the wand. There are definitely a lot of Bitcoin maxis who have blocked over the years who I don't names, want their armies names. coming after me. One name. I don't want the army coming one after me. They already they already come I, I get I get I get the Cardano people coming after me for saying anything on this fucking show. So like I don't I don't need the uh the roving herds of of 4chan Bitcoin maxis coming after me.
2: All right. So what I heard was all Bitcoin Maxis, all Cardano Maxis cancel them all. Is that is that what I'm hearing? Just mass um, a mass grave of everyone who's into the Cardano. Maybe, I'll, maybe and I'll pick
4: someone who who is I think is, is people are not one find too controversial luke dash jr
0: <laughs> well Bart's a maxi right does he get a pass on this one uh, are you a maxi no <laughs> i think the better okay qu- is, is there, are there a-
3: yeah i think the better question is always what are you a maximalist
0: of
2: because everyone's a maxi sure. where are you on the spectrum of maxi versus minimal
4: uh what do you really believe, right. Gort? Uh, Solano is a future of money. Solano.
1: I'm a Solana admirer, for, certainly. I think okay. they're like pra- pragmatism in, in the flesh, and I admire that. Uh, I would say I'm, I'm not a Bitcoin maxi. I'm probably closer to a Bitcoin maxi than most, but almost certainly, than anybody else who primarily has ingratiated themselves with crypto Twitter, if that would make sense. So, I mean, uh, but I mean, you may have been able to sort of read between the lines with a lot of my tweets. I mean, I don't I don't really take very much of it seriously. So, it's kind of hard to gauge, you know, what I'm going to take more seriously than, than I, I think maybe to the extent that I'm dogmatic about anything is probably Bitcoin. Uh, but I mean, I I'm spend more time in the crypto sphere engaging with you people. And so, I think that yeah, I'm I'm a I'm a Bitcoin minimalist maybe then. Okay. Gort, so you're what is, telling what is us the some...
2: dunk, what is the dunk that you most regret? That you were like, "You know what, this is hilarious,
1: but I, I, I you know, this was hurtful and I shouldn't have said that." Um, I delete them quick if I regret them. <laughs> there was one, there was a tweet. I I won't even I won't even say the subject because honestly, <laughs> I generally think that I'm I actively try to toe the line between like just like if it's humorous enough then i can make it a bit edgier but i mean generally i'm not like offensive i did have a tweet that i thought was a certified banger that i deleted very quickly it was it was pertaining to recent world events it was really good but somebody in the comments like i'm never pressured to take down tweets i'm always like oh wow just leave that up but this one somebody popped in pretty quickly and was like oh i don't know about that one and i was like <laughs> okay <laughs> fine fine <laughs> one single person uh convinced me to delete it but See, I this know, is I've why want to you want a
4: market this is why you want a to market to to, to to figure out whether you should delete. <laughs> Markets <it. laughs>
1: don't solve this one this is just vibes yeah, true this I is know.
4: pure I, I, energy I'm, I'm just kidding but i think it would be funny as a social experiment okay I think we've established
2: that Tarun is the purest futarkist here. I don't think anybody Probably. else buys futarky besides Tarun.
0: Still, I still believe in it. And I think there's ways to do it. I think this is a great example of why futarky doesn't work because everybody has different objective functions, right? Like, you, you can't expect people to all expect that, like, we, yeah, we all want to be max GDP and we're betting on who's going to be max GDP. Everyone has to sort of a different outcome that they want. Tarin wants to cancel everybody. Someone, someone else wants, I don't know, whatever the fuck. And so it's just like right, yeah, how do you it's even kind of agree nonsense. on
3: the correct metric? Like GDP sounds like the best one, right? Assuming it's real GDP, not like, you know, nominal. Like that sounds like the best metric, but then like half our country would be like, no, it should be minimizing unemployment. Like, wrong metric. You know, there's no system where we could ever shift into futarchy. That being said, it does actually sound pretty cool, and I am becoming a futarchy maxi, but it's not going to happen.
4: Okay, I don't well, know. I'm. 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 I'm still. I think there's some things where there are concrete metrics for some, you know, on-chain and online things where you could imagine that instead of like the centralized control of a network, like a social network or something, you know, the market can dictate, and like it'll be a niche. It'll be a niche social network. It'll be a social network of like the biggest losers on 4chan, but it'll still be a social network. <laughs> um, Actually, Gore, what's your, what's the, the tweet you're most proud of instead of, instead of, you know, Hasib's little, you know, probably the, the my, probably
1: one. my pin tweet. I, I my, my pin tweet gets, uh, it gets referenced. Like it gets alluded to pretty often. Uh, and I'm, I'm pretty proud of that. It says it, it is incredibly embarrassing that Satoshi did not think about yield. That one, like, a lot of people will, <laughs> will make... A, a, you, I feel like that one was it. kind of... people. If, if I see other people alluding to that, then I'm like, all right, that was a good one. Um, so I that think that's banger. the one I'm probably most proud of. Have really you ever dunked on
3: Tarun?
4: A ton of times, yeah.
1: Yeah, subtly, subtly. I mean, it's just mainly um, because Tarun's always writing completely incomprehensible tweets like n- there's nobody who can decipher what he's saying outside of like two or three quants at citadel and n- n- none of us can actually parse any of that and turns like oh yeah i'm crushing it right now and all of us are like dude what are you saying <laughs> <laughs> well now i'm getting dunked on uh, you know wow.
4: yeah, yeah directly <laughs> okay, yeah but it's
1: endearing it's endearing when i dunk on you i think at least
2: that's true. That's true. Yeah, that, no prediction markets on dunking on Tarun. I think
4: that's that's all vibes based. Always vibes okay, based. Okay, so 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 twenty twenty three, you had this big rise. You know, I, in fact, I actually, I think your quote tweet was like January twenty twenty three. What what's in store for twenty twenty four in terms of your content or where you think it'll go? Do you think it'll?
1: Um. Yeah, I mean, Twitter is. There's no like real method to. I mean, you can probably see that just generally from how I tweet. I mean, there's no structure to that. It's pretty it's pretty uh, off the off the cuff. Um, I'm thinking I was convinced maybe to do a podcast. So we'll see. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to be good at podcasting, to be honest. But if I'm not, I'll just quit. <laughs> you know, it's like very, very Zoomer mentality that if you're not good at something, you just instantly quit. So I think it's, <laughs> it's worth trying. Um, so yeah, but I mean, I don't, I've never really worked in the space and never, I, I feel like I would lose my, or I, I think podcasting is a good, is a good, uh, like equilibrium for me because I would lose my credible neutrality if I was to work in the space. But if I'm, a, if I'm able to heckle from the sidelines, I think that's a reasonable compromise. So we'll so see. You still have privilege. Exactly. Exactly.
2: Yeah. So, Gordon, let me add like, okay, so you don't work in the space, but you're kind of obviously a very interested observer. Why? Why don't you work in the space? I mean, I won't necessarily ask you what you do if you want to be, um, you know, anonymous with the, with regards to that. But, you know, we're going to a bull market. A lot of people are going to be hiring. W- why not be in the space full-time given how much attention you pay to the industry?
1: Uh, I mean, I think, well, first of all, I've invested as a retail investor, I suppose, for the better part of <laughs> three years. So, uh, I mean, I don't... I, honestly, I don't even know that. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm not very technical. I don't know that I have a huge edge in. I mean, maybe, maybe I'm able to sort of see the forest for the trees, but it's because I literally do not understand the trees. So it's like, okay, well, <laughs> you know, this is one of those things where I, I, I think I, I do have a pretty good pulse on on crypto, but it's not for any specific reason, you know. And I mean, I'm probably just knowledgeable enough to, to troll not really knowledgeable enough to want to engage on a tactical level on a daily basis seems like quite burdensome when i can tweet from home and maybe podcast but you what's, your,
4: what's your most embarrassing shitcoin trade like what 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 which which coin are you most embarrassed to have say said you bought or sold
1: um that's a good question i don't know because i i have so many off the top i probably have gotten nuked on so many terrible terrible i think probably holding too long like i think i think more than likely um was holding some garbage coins too long i think some of the um first wave of solana defi airdrops i was like ah oh, dude these are great like and and Uh, they were not great (laughs) (laughs) like nango markets and so on yeah like um radium i mean i don't know the radium chart was horrendous and i was very convinced that that was the decks of the future uh soul Lend, i got a huge airdrop like relatively and i was like man this is the one lending protocol in solana like this one's got to do pretty well and I mean, I think there's a lot of, a number of stories like that. So I would say, yeah, probably like the first sort of wave of Solana DeFi were, I mean, I was still in the midst of it. And I was like, man, they, this is the future of finance. like, And it was not. But now now you're now you're properly cynical. <laughs> sounds yeah, like- I think, well, I was, I, I, I do think that ironically with a lot of, with a lot of garbage coins on Ethereum round one, I, not not so much ICOs, but just mm, tail end DeFi summer. I was like, okay, well, I'm I'm going to take some profits here. But then I don't know what it was about it. Maybe it was Suzu just bull tweeting every day. I'm like, man, this, <laughs> this is a super cycle. Like if there's a super cycle, it's got to be this one, right? <laughs> and uh, I did get a little bit more inspired than I would think that I normally would. So yeah, I would say I'm more cynical now. So, but, so, so um, in,
4: in some ways, you are sort of in the industry, I think is basically
1: what we're... What, what yeah yeah at. yeah i'm i'm teaching with the rest of you guys i'm just like ideologically i'm sitting here like oh i'm a, definitely a bitcoiner and then you know <laughs> do as i do as i say not as i do you know that type of thing
0: <laughs> how well, do you so feel let me, about let
1: original me. uh mixed feelings probably i mean i think okay so the sh- i i like nfts actually ironically I, nfts are one of are honestly one of the few things that I, I'm cautiously optimistic on, insofar as I think that, man, I'm gonna sound like a complete Web three larp right now, but I think that something that is proven ownership on a blockchain, like and and its its value is adjudicated by the blockchain, like this actually is is sort of um, like an endearing concept to me. I think, so I I'm like cautiously optimistic about ordinals. Now, with that said, it doesn't change that ninety nine percent of them are scams, you know what I mean? so to me it's one of these things where like i like I like the premise um I've been engaging a bit with the ordinal ecosystem myself, uh but I think that you know i i I like nfts um i I think nfts are fun. I also don't sit here and tell people to buy nFTs you know most of them go to zero so but i I would say the same thing with tokens in general i don't I try not to actively you know push people toward the speculation aspect, even if I may be doing a little well on the side myself. So
2: let me let me ask you that we're running up on time, so I want to make sure we we wraps in. But um, you know, you on in your tweets, you talk a lot of shit. You lampoon a lot of different aspects of the crypto industry. But um, I, I, I'm curious to get like the kind of the, the real honest perspective. What is it most that you think the crypto industry or the crypto community does wrong? And that it should really improve on, especially as we're going into a very different kind of market environment.
1: Yeah, I think this is like the question probably people ask me most often, is if I have some enlightened take on this because I because I troll a lot about it, but I wouldn't say that I necessarily do. I mean, I think that one thing that I feel pretty strongly about, and I don't know how well I'm going, going to articulate this, but I I still think that in a and also, this is something that a lot of people say. So, this isn't particularly revelatory, but I think that we still overestimate the degree to which crypto users in their current form are users of these systems. Like, the, we are still a very, very small faction. And I think that even when we're talking about viable use cases, right? Like, this is like what I troll about a good bit. Like, you know, are we going to finally find a viable use case, right? Like, but beyond that, beyond like that sort of myopically cynical take, I think my bigger, I don't know, I don't know if this is a fear, but just something that I think about a lot is us, us, I don't know, 1%, a fraction of 1% of the world, we are not like over a long enough time frame. We are not what the average person needs from crypto. You know what I mean? Like the average person realistically needs the ability to have a bank account and to spend their money and maybe like two or three loans, over the course of their lifetimes. And now building out like infrastructure surrounding this, of course, is is important, but we need to be realistic in terms of like onboarding users. It's not like most people need to be able to hundred X the dog with Hatcoin. You know what I mean? This is like this isn't what people need. And even even like building these systems that are, I don't know, very capital efficient, so on and so forth, it's like still this is this is still like just for a very, very small subset of The world as a whole. So I don't know. I mean, that that, that really doesn't answer your question. I just, I think that that still is something that, and also you can probably tell it's a good bit of my trolling. It's like this disconnect between how in the weeds we are on proser builder separation and like how little that type of thing matters to what the long? I mean, actually, maybe that's not such a great example. Maybe that matters a lot, but like, maybe, maybe something like uh, just the, these like very you know niche products. Like, I don't know how valuable these are versus just getting a lot of people to I don't know self custody Bitcoin or use stable coins if if this is something that they need right now. So, as
4: a follow yeah. up to that, what do you think is the most overhyped thing and most underhyped thing? Uh,
1: underhyped, probably Bitcoin overhyped i don't have uh, i don't know that 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 puts me in a spot to make some a critical statement about something i haven't you can see- be a sector it can oh, be okay, like okay. web3 okay. social I, web3 gaming yeah yeah okay 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 i am like very nonplussed by DAO governance. It's like, and I know that this is your domain, and so I, I do apologize, but this is just not interesting to me at all. Like, this is... I, that's mostly, where you roasted
4: me in the past, so I... I, I.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, just like m- mostly governance and like quadratic voting. I mean, this is truly the last thing that I want to hear about. And, and I also don't <laughs> see... <laughs> I, I really have seen like, to be quite honest, in terms of how much funding and research in mechanism designers are working on DAOs like to what the actual innovation or disruption that has come out of them it's like embarrassingly low if if any at all in my opinion like i just i have not seen anything come out of a DAO or a decentralized governance system that i'm like yeah that changed the world like there's there's i haven't seen that yet now could it happen maybe but yeah, so I would say overhyped that that would be what I would consider to be somewhat overhyped, governance in general. Yeah, this does connect back a lot to what we were talking about in the
2: last show with respect to the cypherpunk ethos, you know, with Vitalik versus Justin Sun as like the kind of the the sort of sun and the moon of crypto adoption, where almost everything, in a way, everything you were describing of like, look, what about actually getting coins in the hands of users and making this stuff cheap and easy for them to use? In a way, the further you get from the Ethereum Bitcoin ethos of, you know, the kind of pristine decentralization ideal, to just fuck it, let's like get let's let's, let's get stablecoins into into wallets. Um, that is, in a way, that, that I mean, that's Tron, that's Justin Sun, that's like Binance Smart Chain, that's the that's the the underbelly of crypto that actually is very user centric and very adoption centric. Um, it's a kind of a boring story. It doesn't quite have all the. You know, intellectual uh, prestige or the intellectual um, surface area that the other side of crypto does, but it is the one that, on a on a on a user, if you're looking like you know, where are the users? The answer is that they're mostly on the chains where people don't talk about, you know, DAO governance and quadratic voting and you know all this other stuff. Uh, and so, in a way, I think the, the the interesting thing to me about crypto is that both those things are true about crypto. Crypto has this super navel-gazy, you know, extremely academic and esoteric element that people are kind of competing on how virtuous they are and, you know, adopting this ideal of decentralization. And on the other side, there are, there are also tons and tons of people who are just doing the raw thing of, you know, like Binance Pay in emerging markets being one of the dominant ways that people pay each other, uh, literally through a centralized exchange. And it's like, great, you know, and everybody who uses it thinks it's awesome. Uh, and they, they, they think that's crypto. And for all intents and purposes, perhaps it is. Uh, so yeah, uh, very, very interesting parallel to that, that dichotomy we were talking about last time. Anyway, I'm mindful we're over time. Uh, and I want to make sure that, uh, that we, we, we wrap everything up. Gort, awesome having you on the show. How can people check you
1: out and, and follow your work? Uh, my, uh, I, well, I don't have any work, but you can follow me on Twitter <laughs> at Gorty Gort. <laughs> Okay. And great. also,
4: maybe your future podcast that you have. And maybe quit. a possible oh, yes. podcast, my, perhaps. My,
1: yes, my pot. My, Do you have my my st- a name or is it a top secret? The Gort thing? Show. The Gort, the Gort show. show. Obviously. <laughs> yeah, really obviously, obviously. Come on. Yeah. The Gort
2: Show. I, I, I knew that. Uh, awesome. Well, Gort, Gort great to have Pat. you on. That's going to be the first yeah. episode. <laughs> yeah.
1: Hopefully, actually, we'll, uh, we'll yes. have you
2: back on again yeah. when uh, things get sufficiently crazy and we need some perspective. So. Thank Thank you, you sir.
3: Until next time, everybody.